The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. This is the number one podcast where police meet society and culture. Failure to stop, Comp Center on Thursdays, but we start on Monday with Uncuffed with Jay Darrell White and Eric Tanzi. Tuesday's Night Shift with Andrea Uplate. She'll bring you Murder and Mystery and Mayhem. Wednesday's Last Call with Josh and Eric and give, bring you all the news so that you don't sound like an asshole. Thursdays, what I mentioned is Comp Center. You're in the Comp Center now, except you're not really. We're coming to you live from Failure to Stop Proper in Eric's studio down in Clayton, North Carolina. We're going to have a show tomorrow called Failure to Stop Big Case Breakdown. I've met Drew Breezy for the first time, and I have to say it's uh, sort of amazing in how underwhelming it is. Drew has scaled seven-eighths the size of a normal man. Drew, how are you doing? I'm feeling smaller than small, and I'm doing great. Uh, today's show obviously is brought to you by GhostBed, as evidenced by the sign over John's right shoulder, what would be right uh, stage right shoulder. Then uh, what I want you to do is start thinking about or looking into subscribing to our Patreon. We're going to uh, have more information on that as it goes along. But all you really have to do is go to patreon.com slash failure to stop. You can get in on the fun. That's going to be a place for bonus content. It's going to be a place for a community. And as we found out here in Clayton, we are a community. We are Wolfpack to the end. Uh, we had a great meetup over the past couple days. Uh, TJR was here. Will Cray. Will Cray was here. David J, our biggest supporter. David J was here. He made here. us dance for our money now. <laughs> right. Uh, he finally got some value out of it. Uh, who are we missing? Teresa K was yeah, here. Yeah, she was here too. Um, and uh, some random people from outside the Wolfpack. That's true. Josh showed up, which was a surprise. We didn't. He wasn't invited and he came. Yes, for whatever reason. Uh, so Josh stowed away on an airplane and... Uh, uh, Actually flew it. I believe, yeah, he was, no, he was in third class. Didn't he like put himself inside a suitcase and he was inside the <laughs> luggage yes. compartment? Uh, yes. T treated like a wolf, by the way, uh, as part of the wolf pack. Today is kind of a, just, I, I don't want to say a throwaway episode. I, I found it ironic. Jo John and I discussed this fully. Uh, oh, and we, lest we forget, the uh, one more and I'm out of here boys were here. Uh, we had a great time with them. Please follow their podcast. They also them. have a show. They have a show. Uh, they use cameras as well. Um, and some of them might be here supervising the uh, pyrotechnic aspect of this uh, of this uh, current show. Yeah, they are helping us put together today's show. Jason Kiefer is here in the uh, audience with us uh, doing uh, technical support. So Chief I, feel, Keefe. I feel great about all those times when I helped him because now the karma is coming back to me. So thanks for your help, Chief. Uh, I got to be real honest. It's awkward for me because normally I'm staring longingly into uh, the eyes of uh, my co-host, John. Uh, but now I have to stare into a camera and occasionally look down at this uh, stupid laptop. In front now, of me. now the emotion's too much, Drew, to see you and to see your actual eyes. But as you say, John, this is the opportunity to confess that you are as well underwhelmed. Yes, so what without a doubt, we have disappointed each other. <laughs> well, in true Com Center fashion, we have disappointed one another. So what uh, we we have to be very focused, and we have to be very vigilant to the fact that this is National Public Safety Telecommunicators Week, and in doing so, we wanted to, to uh, you know give a great episode. We kind of had a great episode of mine, but 
uh, as normal in uh, tele- a public tele- a public safety telecommunicator world, um, not everybody is apt to get on camera and tell us the good stories. So uh, we're just going to share some of our own good stories. We're going to talk to uh, the author of a book called Pig Latin. His name is Eric Tanzi. He is also on a podcast called Failure to Stop. Uh, we're going to go to him in a minute. But John, I am sure there's something in the news. There is. I just wanted to say, though, that for Public Safety Telecommunicators Week, if you're not getting enough dispatch stuff on today's episode of ComCenter, why don't you jump over to 10-8 Podcast? Because me and Drew and two other dispatchers appear, including 10-8 Podcast, on that episode. It's over three hours of Dispatch Avengers. It's longer than the actual Avengers movie. It's all dispatch stuff. If you are on the thin gold line, you will appreciate that like none other. We do have a couple things in the news. First of all, uh, Ben Darby has been freed from prison. That is the greatest uh, miscarriage of justice in our times, perhaps. And it's good to know that he's out. He's still facing an uphill battle, possibly still facing another murder conviction and head back to prison. But you know what? Uh, To get to where we are is uh, a huge testament to uh, just having right on his side and uh, to the judges who are able to see the common sense of that case that uh, all the standards that would normally apply in that case didn't get applied to it, like... uh, having a a public trial. You know, that's just an example of one thing that that guy didn't get. So uh, hats off to uh, Ben and Kaylin Darby. We celebrate with you. Uh, We are so glad that you got uh, to have that reunion outside of prison. And uh, we look forward to continuing to fight the fight with you. And good luck to you. Uh, We're also looking at a case. I've been in touch with someone in a case out of Michigan, uh, from Hartford, Michigan, of a police officer. His name is Matthew Mistretta. We'll be talking about that more in the future on Failure Stop, but uh, his trial started today. Now, what's going on with Matthew Mistretta? Well, Matthew Mistretta was a police officer in that city, and uh, one night he was doing a traffic stop on a suspected DUI. It was a speeding case in any case. There was another police officer with him who got called away from that traffic stop to go deal with a homicide. So as Officer Mistretta is approaching that vehicle with a suspect and a passenger inside, all of a sudden he hears on his radio, from the officer who just left him, or excuse me, from the officer at the homicide scene that the suspect who was right there in front of him was this was this homicide suspect. So he's already by the B pillar of the car looking inside the vehicle as he's a guy without a shirt on. He's got blood all over him. There's bloody pipes in the car. As any good police officer would do, recognizing this as a felony situation changed over to a felony stop, which means different rules apply. Someone was filming this. This was right after 2020. And unfortunately, Officer Mistretta was charged with uh, two misdemeanors, which is, or two assault and battery charges, and another charge that was uh, one count of misconduct in an office by a public official, which is a five-year felony. So right now, Officer Mistretta, another good police officer who served his country as a Marine, is facing an uphill battle and a trial starting today uh, with another uh, general, or excuse me, Attorney General Dana Nessel, who's looking to uh, make a political book out of going after police officers in Michigan. So this is a case we're going to be watching closely. In many ways, it's uh, similar to the Ben Darby case because um, various uh, pieces of evidence are being excluded from ever being heard by the jury, like the fact that uh, uh, he was told on the radio that the person inside the car was a suspect of a homicide or uh, the fact that, uh, I mean, that's being excluded, but also, you know, uh, the officers weren't able to get body cam footage. In any case, we're going to break that down in greater detail in the future. Drew, I know we have a couple of voicemails. Do we have the capability of playing those here well, or not? I, I was thinking of that while you were uh, rambling actually, on. Yeah, while you were uh, rightfully rambling. You know, on. this studio is not nearly as comfortable as my dark one. It's too bright in here, and the lights are throwing me off. And it's warm in here, uh, as compared to yours. It is. Hey, I'm going to play something, and we'll see if it uh, broadcasts over your. Airways. And if not, we'll edit it out cleanly. 
Nope. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out. We will play the voicemails for you uh, at the end of the show. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll definitely figure that out. What we'll probably do right now, though, is bring in the guest of honor. He's a, he's a fellow by the name of Eric Tanzi. His mic is muted, but he's going to unmute that mic in a second. I guarantee it. And because he is a professional, he knows all about podcasting. He's going to be teaching a school in, in this very studio, C-Minus Media Studios, over the summer. Same podcasting and uh we are live in clayton north carolina he just happens to be another in another uh geographical area of clayton uh and we um we could probably i don't know throw a lit match and set him on fire uh but we don't need to because he is on fire the guy wrote a book and it's called pig latin a true seriously funny true story a seriously funny true story why don't i just let eric talk about it eric more? thanks for giving up your office for us <laughs> hey man it's uh, my pleasure i now i can say that i you know that com center has produced a show inside of uh, my my studio so i'll never wash one those more, chairs one more <laughs> i was gonna say i wonder how many babies got produced inside this studio <laughs> Uh, how, how many of the tansy litter were produced in the, in the <laughs> c minus media studios yeah so many yeah. some of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> your enthusiasm abounds so what we're going to talk today about is uh, our favorite dispatcher story and uh i'm i'm thinking uh eric uh with you being a, a police officer and an aggressive well, I don't know if we're allowed to use the term aggressive. I know that we can now that we're not in law enforcement. But how about uh, a vigilant police officer that you were? You, you've had your share of foot chases. Or I was a protector. You're definitely a protector, you're but a not a warrior. Dog. Yes. Uh, but I'm sure that you have had your uh, worst and best dispatcher moments. Uh, what, was there anyone in particular that uh, you would not uh, urinate on if they were on fire? the crazy thing is that like um i relied on dispatchers so much being where i worked and i loved them you know and because you kind of like live or die by dispatchers right like sure i mean it would probably be the perfect crime but a dispatcher could like really get you hurt and um but you know so i always got along with them really really well and always had like this weird rapport, even though I never got to meet them face to face. You know, we were always messaging each other, telling jokes, following each other on social media. So, but there was one dispatcher, man, his name was Neil and he eventually got fired or forced to resign. I'm not sure, but he was the, just not even a bad dispatcher, but just a bad human being. <laughs> right. <laughs> And there wasn't a lot of people that I would just go after on a podcast. I haven't like, I don't think anybody's ever heard me like go after anybody. Not, not even really the chief um, of, of the police department, but uh, man, I, I think if I ever could and I'm getting the opportunity now, so I'll take it. Fuck that guy. dude. Just an absolute piece of shit as a human being. And, and he was the dispatcher. And the, the reason why I'm so like adamant on like hating this guy was that he literally did get my friends hurt. And just for, for like malice, no, but no reason, but it was all malice. You know what I mean? Like everything that he did was just to be a very mean person. And I haven't really met other cops like that. Um, I never really met another dispatcher, maybe a nurse, you know, you got the ones that you don't like, you have the personality conflicts, but this guy, it's like, it's almost as if he hated cops himself and he just wanted to do the worst job possible. 
Um, and I never understood it. But out of everybody that I've ever met in my life, and I never met this guy, actually. But out of everybody that I've never met in my life, I, I probably dislike him the most out of anybody in the world. Well, one thing that's important to say is, you know, uh, in the, this modern culture, 2020, in the sense that there's nothing that good police officers hate more than bad police officers. The same generally applies for dispatchers. We, we, we all hate being in the comm center with that guy that doesn't want to do his job, wants to do a bad job. And because he, he makes us miserable the entire time that we're in the room with him. And those of us who really care about police officers, we're actually getting hampered by that guy who, right. you know, isn't doing a good job. So I feel for Eric. Not you only know, that, the, 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 go ahead, Drew. I guarantee that there are complaints from fellow officers who call up to the. So, so the dispatchers, like the good dispatchers in the room, they're spending time uh, trying to coax the officers into believing look it's just him it's not us yeah we knew that you know like we knew yeah. um we knew who it was and we, we try not to hold him because you know riley has a lot of high esprit de corps right there's a lot of pride to be around the academy is really tough the uniforms the standards everything you know we we are held to a higher standard than all the other agencies in north carolina you know frankly um you know we we hold ourselves to you know, like almost like we're a little bit better than everybody else. Um, you know, we're well trained and and well equipped, and um, so everybody does get along really well. And there's not a lot of pissing matches going on that you see on the interwebs with you know EMS or fire. I mean, Raleigh's does a really good job of everybody kind of works together really well. But this dispatcher, it, he would suck the life out of the entire room, the entire squad, the entire night. And the way that the dispatchers work in Raleigh is they have a huge communication center, top of the line communication, satellite dishes. It looks like the fucking Pentagon. Um, and so, uh, you know, they go in rotation. So, like, if they're there, they'll be like Southeast District for for one rotation and then they'll go to fire an EMS for a rotation and then they'll go to downtown district for a rotation and then they'll go to public service for a rotation. So they're constantly rotating through like every two days. So you never have the same dispatcher week to week. And when he would come on and his voice would come on in the mornings to tell the other, uh, the other shift that they were off and we could hear that the whole room, the entire, like you could hear the Sergeant in his room go, Oh God. And it was just, you know, it was like, once you heard his voice, everybody was like, oh, what? You know, and, and there was dispatchers that suck, right? But they're good people and they try hard. And nobody ever, you wouldn't hear it really make a difference to what the police officers were feeling in the morning. You know, like maybe you have that little girl that talks like this real fast. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, we got us a homicide. You know, everybody be like, oh, we've got uh, Janelle. Janelle's on tonight. That's going to be, today's going to be fun. You know, but it didn't like change the the whole dynamic of the shift but when this guy would be like oh unit 1042 everybody would be like oh fuck and then like you'd hear somebody else be like i'm calling in sick is it too late to call in sick so you'd be like jesus christ it's gonna be one of those fucking nights isn't it you know this is like the whole attitude of the whole station is just like fuck man i, I can I can also verify that independently, because this conversation came up while we were here at the meetup about this particular person, and I, I can tell you, I've, I've uh, independently verified that the guy was an asshole to not just Eric, but to everybody. And he was a bad person. He did things on purpose. Let me give you some examples, right? Because some of the listeners are probably like, well, why is this guy an asshole, Eric? Is it because he drinks Bud Light? Well, no. Um, so, <laughs> 
uh, that's not why he's an asshole. Uh, we, we have a tone in Raleigh for, for crime. So, you know, if it's a, someone shot, somebody dying and it's a bad crime or an officer's down, the worst code that you can get or the worst tone you can get is a tone that sounds like this. And when that goes off, like that's the worst tone. Um, it's different from all the other tones. It's very high pitch. It, your computer vibrates when it goes off. And whenever you hear that tone, your heart kind of sinks into your chest. You get the butterflies in your stomach go off. You know, you stop your car immediately because you're like, all right, the tone's out. Now we're like, who's been shot? Where have they been shot? And how do I need to get there? Because when the tone goes off, everybody's going to go to the tone. It's that's, that's what that is. And it only happens, you know, maybe, you know, that tone, it's not like just like there's a shooting, right? Like this is like active shooting. So, you know, this is an active shooting tone, basically. And it would go off, you know, maybe once a week or once every other week. It's not something you heard a lot, you know. But when you heard it, you were like, all right, here we go. Now it's game time. Like, we're, you know, a cop's in a fight somewhere or somebody's been shot. Like, it's go time. So you could be driving down the road. And when he's the dispatcher, the tone would go out. Boo-doo, boo-doo, boo-doo. And a normal dispatcher would sound like this. Boo-doo, boo-doo. Attention, Southeast Raleigh units. We're going to have a signal 102. It uh, looks like we've got one personnel 103 shot. It's going to be at the intersection of Cross and Fisher Street. I have units 414 and 411 that look like they're heading in that direction. I need everybody else to stay off the air. Uh, if you're going to continue in that route, just make it an MCT function. Let me know when you get there, and we'll keep you updated as follows. And then you would get another tone, boop, which means that the, the station has been held. And it means to just shut the fuck up unless you have emergency traffic and you know, just, just listen. Now that's the way it normally goes. But when he's dispatching, the way it goes is boo-doo, boo-doo, boo-doo. Oh, Southeast. Yep. It's going to be Southeast Raleigh units. Looks like we're going to have a 103. Somebody has been shot. Looks like it's going to be at the location of... Uh, Looks like we're going to be around Cross Street tonight. <laughs> Cross Street and Fisher Street. Um, let's get some units that way. Do I have any units heading in that direction? Uh, and you're just kind of sitting there going like, dude, this does not make me in the mood to go deal with this right now. Like, this is insanity, dude. Shut you're no longer in the mood to go deal with an active shooter. You ruined this active shooting for me, Neil. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this Neil, is not man. how I wanted it to be in my book. <laughs> this is not going to make for a good movie, Neil. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. You know, but you, if you were in a foot chase, you know, you could be running down the road and you'd be like, 424 Raleigh, foot pursuit. We're going to be cross, cr cross a fisher, a blackmail. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, last unit, I'm going to need you to take a breath, preamble, and what street were you at again? <laughs> you know what I mean? The last thing you want to hear when you're running is any of that nonsense. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, just all of it. Like, if you need me to repeat where I'm at, you could say, what's that intersection 424? Or did anybody catch that traffic? Because when he says it, now immediately, because we were so fed up with the guy, is that almost every time, you know, if you were doing a traffic stop, we worked in the inner city. And so it was a grid-like city. So every, you know, every block is a grid. And so when you get behind somebody that's guilty of something, what's typically the first thing that they do when you get behind them? Turn. They make a turn, right? Right or left turn. You know, they don't want you to be behind them. And so you're trying to read a license plate. Remember the phonetics, <laughs> you know, because I use military phonetics and the police department uses their own police. Phonetics. So for me, that was always a thing. 
But, you know, so you're trying to read their license plate. They're making a left-hand turn. You're trying to make a left-hand turn. You're trying to remember the, the street that you're turning onto because that's important. But now they're going to hit the gas and they're going to make another right street. And then you're going to lose them if you're not paying attention to where they're turning left or right. So you're trying to focus on all of this. And so your traffic stop might be like, hey, Raleigh, 424, signal 10. It's going to be with Zebra X-Ray Whiskey 1349. We're going to be at Cross and Fisher. Looks like we're going to make another right-hand turn. I'm going to light them up now. I'll let you know which intersection I'm at when we get there. Give me one second. And then anybody else, any other dispatcher in existence would just be like, all right, keep us posted. We're listening. But he'll be like, uh, 424, I didn't catch a preamble. <laughs> a preamble means that I didn't start with Raleigh 424, signal 10. Yeah, he's being a dick about your etiquette and totally ignoring the fact that you're about to enter a dangerous situation because he's exactly. just, the stick is that far up his butt. Exactly. And and no and, and, and no other dispatcher, whether they're shitty dispatcher, when I say shitty dispatcher, I don't mean a shitty human. I mean they're just not that great at their job. Like, you know, maybe they have a hard time cross cross dispatching, or maybe they have, you know, maybe they update your MCT a little bit slow or a little bit fucked up. And, and we can all tolerate that. But this is a bad dispatcher, as in, as in like no other dispatcher would want you to preamble after all of that. Like your tone of voice, the way you sent out signal 10 indicates that you're doing a high risk traffic stop and it's not going exactly the way that you wanted it to go. And any other dispatcher would be empathetic to that and just be like, Hey, we got you. Let us know when you stop. I'm going to make sure I pay attention to your GPS. I mean, they would be saying things. A good dispatcher would be like, Hey, I've got you on GPS. Do your thing. Don't worry about us. And I'm going to send you a, I'm going to send you a check on a check-in until you tell me you don't need one. You know what I mean? They're proactive. They can sense your tone of voice, but not this cunt. This he, guy would be like, even someone who sucked would, you know, still be mad at you for your etiquette, but they wouldn't put it out over the air or make demand that you repeat yourself, even if he was pissed off at you. So this guy's a, a whole right. other level. Yeah, it's a control thing. Exactly. Right. And and so for him, and he'd be like, and I'm going to need an intersection for this traffic stop. Okay, Raleigh, well, I'm pretty sure I just made it clear with my tone of voice and everything else that I don't exactly have an intersection yet because I don't even know if this guy is going to stop yet. So, you know, calm down. And And the reason why, you know, it's different than the county, right? The county, you can wait. On the highway, you can wait. You can say, you know, I'm going to pull this car over, but I'm going to wait until I've seen if it's stolen. I'm going to wait until I see what exit's coming up so that when I do light him up, he can get off on an exit. Wait, wait till or, you get back up in the area already if you already know. Yes, I can go ahead and start planning. I can get on the radio on another channel and say like, hey, is there anybody in this area? So I'm going to pull this guy over. And I'd like, you know, they're saying that but when you're in the inner city and you're in a grid like this, you can't because they're going to make a left turn, a right turn, a left turn, and then they're all going to bail out of the car and go separate directions. And you're going to be, you know, in what we call a clown show or a shit show. And that's what's coming. And so, you know, you're just trying to get away from that so that when you do run, at least somebody has a general idea of what side of the city you're on. Yeah. Um, Streets are short, know, too. <clears throat> right. And shorts are very sh and, and they change names. Right. Like you could be on like uh, Brown Street. But like when you cross over the stop sign, it turns into Parnell Street. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> are you on Parnell like where it turns into Brown or are you on Brown where it turns into Parnell? Like makes no sense to me. <laughs> Uh, who names those things, but engineers, architects, they're all fucking overpaid um, and overrated. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and then we would be in just really bad situations and he would always inevitably make the situation worse. And it was every shift, you know, which was like once a month, twice a month that he would get on. Our lieutenant would complain. Everybody would complain. Like I've had captains be like, who is this fucking guy? 
on this dispatch and why is he over here? Like that guy needs to stay with fire and EMS. Like he has no business. And it went on for years. Um, until one time I, I, you know, I, he made a complaint, a formal complaint on me. And that's because I would go Raleigh 424, David. And throughout the day when he was working, we were very proactive. So on the radio, if there was radio silence in our district, that means everybody was already on some kind of a crime scene or something. But if there was no crime scenes active in our district, what you would hear is 422 Raleigh, signal 10. Hey, 421 Raleigh, can you show me out security check over here? 424 Raleigh, I'm going to be signal 10. I mean, it's just the radio was just constantly going. But when he would work it, this is what you would hear all day. 424 Raleigh. 424 David Raleigh. 424 Raleigh, uh, I'm going to be signal 10 whenever you're ready. No, that's ridiculous. Go if you're, if you're doing a traffic stop, that they've got to respond to you right away. Yes. And he never would. And so when it started happening, uh, I told Sergeant the lock, you know, in the, in the room, in the, uh, the squad room, I said, dude, I'm not fucking dealing with this guy today. And Sarge is like, I'll make some calls. So he called back and he said that he's, he's aware that he's working our district and he's aware that you guys are going to be proactive today. So he's going to be listening to the radio. Five minutes later, you know, it's probably like 10 o'clock in the morning at this point. And I'm like, 424 Raleigh. And it, the whole thing happens, you know, doesn't answer. And then 423 is like, hey, 423 Raleigh, 424 is trying to get out on the radio. Are you able to hear him? Last unit with traffic. Go ahead. Oh, uh, okay, Raleigh, it's 424. So finally I said, uh, I started switching over to North District. And I would go 424 Raleigh signal 10. And they'd be like, go ahead, Raleigh. This 424 Raleigh, this is North District. I'd be like, I want to be signal 10 with, you know, X, Y, Z, 1, 2, 3, 4. And I'm going to need a check-in, blah, blah, blah. 10 4, Raleigh, we'll get you one right away, blah, blah, blah. And I did that about four or five times throughout the day until North District was like, Southeast Raleigh units, uh, be aware that you guys are using the North Dispatch. And then they sent me an MCT issue, and I said, yeah, because Southeast District hasn't answered their radio all morning on the first go, so we're just not going to deal with it. And so the guy put in, like, a hostile work environment type <laughs> complaint. Yeah. Well, that he created. Well, it's all recorded, so, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, if we have to suss it out on, on who's not answering the radio, it's, it's not like it's going to take long to figure that out. I mean, uh, when you guys are listening to radio between dispatchers and police officers, there's almost a cadence, like it's a song, like... When yeah. someone initiates a traffic stop with me, I'm immediately, I'm working on that and I'm going faster and I make sure that I get everything going as fast as possible. The main reason for that is I want to know where the officer's at and I also want to get his status checks going so that I know he's not out with some car for six, seven, eight minutes before I status check him. So that's why it's important right. to get that going right away. It's, uh, you know, it's, with, Neil, you, with Neil, you'll never get a status check. So you, so we're talking about a, a small percentage of the 1% because most of the... Uh, the people that we deal with, the people that we know and admire and trust that work in the comm center are generally great people. And they're generally yeah. it, like he's a good human. Uh, he's not a good human, which makes him a bad right. dispatcher. Therefore, right. uh, but, you know, you have some great humans that are average dispatchers. But we, there are, you know, especially during National Telecommunicators Week, we like to highlight the whatever average, above average, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so, I mean, Neil's the prime example of. Uh, if you're a dispatcher out there listening, Neil is the prime example of what's bringing down uh, the profession. You know, understand that when you're uh, when you're a radio dispatcher and you're handling the the radio for an entire district, like in in Eric's case, there, 
you almost set the tone for crime control for that district for that entire shift that you're on. If you don't have control over the radio itself and you're not listening and you're not attentive and you're not keeping them safe, then uh, essentially um, you, you'll hear the radio run buck wild. The citizens will start running buck wild. Uh, the cops will start, you know, arguing amongst each other. They'll start arguing with you. Yeah. But if you get it there with confidence and, uh, and, and, you know, public service in mind, as corny as that sounds, and the mission of the agency that you work for in mind, and uh, you do your job, you're going to set the tone for the rest of the shift. And, you know, when you got a, a bunch of go-getters like your Eric Tanzies of the world or your, you know, Officer Sirius or any of these other guys that are out there, um, you, you have kind of the responsibility to give them what they need to make sure that they're keeping everybody safe. And, and that, that just lends to the teamwork, but uh, yeah, you, you can have like what, like what the effect that has on the actual traffic stop itself. Right. Like if I'm frustrated at the dispatcher, like now I'm frustrated at the person I just pulled over and I'm not giving very good, you know, community service, you know, the public right. service you know, because I'm fucking in a, you know, I'm like, fuck that dispatcher and now i got to fucking deal with this guy that just got speedy you know what i mean like it sets the yeah. whole entire tone yeah negatively so and you can have commanded control yeah. of that radio as long as you're courteous to people and you have respect for the police and what they're actually doing it's so easy to say well this is my radio and i'm running it when you're sitting in a comfy chair in a safe comm room and i think that dispatchers who are like neil have forgotten they've forgotten what's going on in the real world it's too abstract for them they don't realize that you know, Eric Tanzi, you know, husband and father is out there doing something dangerous. Maybe just pay, give him the courtesy to just to pay attention to what he's doing and just say 10-4. Sometimes when you could say nothing else because you're pissed off in the comm center, just say 10-4. That's all you need to do. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like one night um, I I was writing a search warrant and, um, I, and I was trying to do a, a search warrant very quickly because I had kind of like accidentally stumbled into like a pretty big crime and there was a big drug deal and this guy wanted to talk, but it was all going down very quickly. So um, because of where I worked, uh, we wrote our own search warrants and especially in the Southeast district, there was this like, and I write about a lot about this in my book, but you know, there, there's, uh, the, the seniority is pretty high. I mean, you had some 10 year, 11 year old, uh, 11 year street cops that have been doing this for 10, 11 years. And so they're more like supervisors than anything. And so there was this like, you're writing your own search warrant and it better be done correctly and you better not embarrass us. And when the detectives get here and the SWAT gets here, you better brief them like you're one of us. Like, you know, even though you've only been here for three years and this is like your third or fourth search warrant, it better be perfect. Spelling, grammar, you know, you better not fuck any of this up because if you embarrass us, you know, one, you could get removed from the squad, but you're going to get shamed and your sergeant's not going to be happy with you. So there was like this very like, it's not micromanaging, but like there was just a, you know, the, the bar was set super yeah, high. high expectations. And, and, and I was pretty stressed out because I knew that like I had an opportunity to make a really great uh, bust here and, and do something really good. And, and, and it was a case that, that a lot of people were interested in and it all kind of fell in my lap and it was very time sensitive. And if you've ever written a search warrant, you've got to go to the magistrate's office. You got to get them to sign it. You got to come, you got to make copies. You got to do a briefing with the SWAT team. You got to do a reconnaissance of the location before the SWAT team hits it. You've got to do your SWAT rehearsals and you got to get in the SWAT van. And then, uh, you know, typically whoever writes a search warrant drives the van so that there's no way that you're getting to the wrong spot. You've also got to manage that there's a, an officer watching the location from a covert vehicle. It's, you know, all these things had to be put in place. And, and so 
when that happens, when you're new to that, your stress level is really, really, really high. You know, if you're a detective and right. you've been doing it for a while, you might not be that stressed. But for me, you know, I was very hyper focused on I don't want to fuck this up. I don't want to fuck this up. So I was like, Raleigh, hold me out at the magistrate's office. Raleigh, uh, I need a you know, send me some of them. And so I later on the afternoon, I got a message from the dispatcher. And she's like, Hey, is everything okay? And I said, Yeah, why? And she was like, You were just very short on the radio today. And it seemed like you were absolutely stressed out. And I was like, Oh, I was. But we just got, you know, four guns off the street and blah, blah, blah. I'm fine now. Like, she was like, okay, like, I can just tell, like, your tone was completely different today. I just wanted to make sure everything was cool. I mean, I'm guessing it was a she. It could have been a he. I don't fucking know. Because uh, it's all typing, you know. But uh, my, my point is, is that, um, you know, the, the dispatchers, you, you don't know what that cop's going through, right? Like, she or she or he could have assumed that I was just being a dick and then just not messaged me and took it with them that I was being a dick all day. But they took the time to message and ask me if I was okay. And then I was able to explain, yeah, I'm so sorry I was short with you all day. Like I just had, I was kind of overwhelmed. And that's because I was new and I was a rookie and I was just really hyper-focused on not fucking up. Yeah, <laughs> so it had I nothing to do with them or their performance. It was just you. No, no, but but a just... good dispatcher can tell, you know, what's going on with you just by the sound of your voice yes. in a small clip. Now, that's one thing if you're stressed out because you're going to do paperwork at the, at the with the judge. But obviously, if you're on scene with somebody too, I mean... Uh, I've had it before where I didn't have to hear my officers at all. Basically what happened, they were going out with this guy who everyone knew was a, basically a loose cannon, didn't like police officers. They were, he had been in trouble for domestic violence and all kinds of things that we sent both officers out there. Cause that was just this guy. He's kind of a, you automatically have a cover unit or a check-in is what you would call it. And the guy goes nuts. And how do I know this? Because they just hold open the radio. I couldn't hear them at all. They didn't say anything. They just go like this on their lapel mic and hold it open so I can hear this guy is just going insane. So I know just hearing that sound, I immediately jump on the other channel. I start getting highway patrol to go that way because I know that this guy's not under control. They probably haven't gone hands on yet, but they're probably going to at some point and they want at least a third or a fourth person there to deal with them. And so that's just a classic example of, you know, you, you can hear things in their voice, but you can also hear them you know what's going on with them, even if they're not talking. But you have to be a good dispatcher to do that. And I'm guessing that Neil would not have done that. No, <laughs> not, a, not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, Neil, uh, and I think Neil, um, I don't know the whole story of how Neil Kemner got fired. I, I think they got him or made him. I think they, they didn't fire him. I think they medically retired him for some kind of hearing issue. I don't know. I don't know the whole story what happened to Neil. Um, I know that they, he was caught up in a pretty big investigation because a magistrate passed away. And um, and I think it all started with a 911 hang up that he didn't or, you know, lack of I don't know the whole story, but um, maybe some negligence uh, that didn't follow through on something or. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Or I wasn't surprised when I heard that he was involved in that that tragedy. And that was one of my favorite magistrates of all time. But, you know, it was more, you know, there was I mean, like I said, this went on for years. So there was a, t a time when we were having a, a massive fight with a motorcycle club. And um, it was a lot of motorcycle gang members versus very little uh, police officers. And one police officer was seriously injured and was a rookie, brand new cop. And um, when he got hurt, um, he screamed like a woman and ran, ran away and screaming. And so obviously he needs EMS, um, you know, and at that point you're like, okay, did he just get stabbed or what happened? Like, what's going on but he got hurt and took off running and screaming 
but I was sandwiched in between this motorcycle gang with my own fight where there's no way I can go help him. So I let go all the pepper spray in my, my canister that I possibly can on myself and everybody around me. That's I'm the only in, way I'm it's fair is if you get yourself first and then spray everyone else. Right. Yeah. We're all in this boat together. Yeah. This, this is how far you go now to worry about uh, use of force allegations. <laughs> that, no, you could say, yeah. no, this wasn't, this wasn't uh, excessive force at all. I, I sprayed myself first just so it was fair, Your Honor. This is Eric's version of inclusivity. Yes. Yeah. I'm just trying to be inclusive though. Uh, I think my sergeant was was pinned next to me, and so he let off all of his pepper spray. Um, and I think we yelled, like, signal 2-5, which means, like, we need the entire fucking city, um, which is not something – I think that might have been the only – if we did call it, that would have been the only time in my career that, that we called signal 2-5. Um, but it was just really bad. And the entire time that I was sandwiched into these guys waiting to get shanked or waiting to get my neck slit or whatever was going to happen – you know, this motherfucker is like, uh, Southeast Unit 424, I'm showing that your GPS in your car is nowhere near the location that you're at. Can you give us a better location of where you're at? And you're just like, I, I just remember like being in this fight, being like, why does he fucking care? That was him. That was him punking you out. That had nothing to do with him caring about where you were at. That was like, he was why trying would to he call you out for. Car is that? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I was, I hadn't been in my car like half the day. I was riding with my Sarge all day. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever it was, foot patrol or whatever we were doing that day before we got caught into this, you know, and, 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 and he just, he wouldn't get off of it until finally I heard a Lieutenant from an office go, Raleigh, he doesn't have his car. I don't want to hear about his car anymore. Stop it with the car. Nobody cares about the car. I need to know if SWAT is on their way or not. And SWAT was like, hey, Riley, just jump. Or it was like, ALT, jump over to such and such channel. And they jumped over and had their own private conversation on another channel because even SWAT was like, what the fuck is going on with So oh. they, they were like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Like, even SWAT noticed it. Are you, can you guys hear me? Yeah. I accidentally muted my mic for a second. But uh, like, even SWAT was like, yo, Lieutenant, jump over to another channel real quick. We'll just talk to you over there. They're like, what's up with this guy in this fucking car? Like, like they just yelled signal two five, which means shit's really fucking bad. And this guy won't shut the fuck up about where the cop car is. If 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 he knew to send everyone hearing that 10 code, he should realize that, well, by the time everyone gets there to help you, someone will have figured out where you're at. You know, it's it's one thing if the situation persists and they just can't find you. But just start sending. Just say, like, this is where he said he was. This is where his car is. Hopefully someone there can investigate things and they'll figure out where you're at. I mean, I think like when we got out there, you know, I, you know, we had said, and I probably wasn't the one working the radio either, but you know, somebody had to let them know that we're dealing with such and such motorcycle club and it's right in the middle of the fucking city. Like this motorcycle club, which is crazy because if it was hell's angels, it's an all black motorcycle club. And I'm telling you right now, if it was the hell's angels or anybody else that close to downtown and they acted that way, the city would have put them the fuck out. Um, but because it's inner city and it's an all black motorcycle club, they can kind of get away with as many shootings as they fucking want to. But there are so many shootings and car chases that happen from that club. It's unbelievable. And it's in downtown Raleigh, which is not safe for anyone. And so we were at the motorcycle club. Everybody knows which one, what, like what you're talking about. Like you're, it's the only motorcycle club that exists. Um, you know, and uh, you know, it's just, it was, I just remember just being there and covered my, in myself in pepper spray trying to fight uh, you know like a real braveheart scene if you can close your eyes and remember braveheart that's what it was um it was exactly like braveheart um blood guts 
you know, yeah. I think I had a maze. Oh yeah. I mean, who doesn't in Raleigh, but, uh, on the, um, at the end of the shift, I guarantee all you were looking to do was to get a nice hot meal, good warm shower and a good night's rest. And you know how you would have got that good night's rest, Eric? Sleeping with Neil on a ghost bed. Sleeping with Neil on a ghost bed, and he would be asking you for the proper uh, protocol and the proper uh, the, the proper code on the website, which is ghostbed.com slash Wolfpack. Listen, Wolfpack. we love my preamble. Person. My preamble would, well, I would like come and he would be like, you didn't preamble. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Neil. I'm you're, a pre- <laughs> you're a premature preambler. We love Ghostbed and we've just uh, uh, soiled the ad read with uh, some very immature and uh, graphic. We would like to apologize for this ad read. So we'll give it another shot, but we love Ghostbed. They've been a loyal sponsor since day one. Uh, All of our fans uh, just rave about them. Uh, And if it weren't true, I wouldn't be able to say that. Um, And I wouldn't be able to read it as I'm doing. So they have a super comfortable mattress that lasts forever. And they're made in the good old Clayton North. Oh, I'm sorry. USA. You're USA. Right. Actually, they're made in Florida. They're made in Florida. I had no Tampa. idea. I, I thought they were. Are you kidding me? No. Uh, uh, I, I didn't know I was that close to such uh, heavenly uh, betting. Every That's mattress why has no a crime. That's why there's no crime in Tampa. Exactly. Because everybody gets a good night's rest. Every mattress has a 20 year guarantee, and you could try it out for 101 nights, but you know, you're not going to want to do that because you're going to be in love with it. If you don't like it, you can send it back. There won't be any hard feelings. Come on. They're ghost bed people. They're just, it's, it's friendly ghosts. Uh, maybe some relation to Casper. One of our favorite parts about ghost bed is that each mattress ha- has some type of cooling technology that if you give the proper preamble, you won't get hot at night like, uh, like Eric does. And uh, when you're here on the hot summer nights of Raleigh, those things are a lifesaver. So the ghost bed, uh, Bundle is uh, available on the website, ghostbed.com. Make sure you use the code Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Actually, we have our own site now. It's uh, ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. You don't have to use the promo code anymore. Oh, that's awesome. Take you right to a failure to stop landing page, baby. And um, to celebrate You can get 0% down and 0% financing even if you have um, Drew Precy. No, even if you have bad dispatcher credit. Even if you have Neil's credit. Yeah, but they they up the discounts to like 50% now. Holy crow. See, I didn't know that because I didn't go to the website. So which website do they go to, Eric? Ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. That's amazing. Yes, uh, we yes, mentioned sir. Officer Friendly a couple minutes ago. Officer Friendly. I'm sorry. Officer Serious was uh, somebody. Yeah. And I want to ask John a couple of questions about the book. But there's a little book that's floating around out there. It's probably nearing its ending stages. To And by ending stages, it's uh, it'll be the new beginning because we'll all be able to read it. Uh, there's some type of fire occurring here. <sighs> Uh, it's a good thing we have Chief Keefe in the building. We are safe, but uh, there was uh, smoke coming up in my my nose, and I was getting ready to cough and choke. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Pig Latin, a seriously funny but true story? I mean, that, it's just it, it's a book that obviously I've been working on for a while, um, like four years. <laughs> it's finally getting ready to, to come out. Um, we're working right now with a media company, um, a marketing company and publishing house to get it all taken care of. But there's just a lot that goes into getting a book. Um, it was usually just going to be like a, 
smaller deal, but now it looks like it's a little bit bigger deal than I expected it to be. So anyway, the book is, um, you know, it's coming soon, but, uh, yeah, it was my, it just kind of started out as me wanting to write a book for my kids so that if I died, you know, they would have something to read when they turned 18. And, um, and I really, you know, because I was writing it for my kids at the time and I was doing it just for writing practice, I was really writing about all my mistakes so that they could read the book and say like, oh, okay, this is how you overcome a lot of different fuck ups because, you know, I was just really not unfairly, but I was really thrown to the wolves as a rookie um, because of my old military history um, and, and just the way the cookie, the cookie crumbled. I was kind of put with, you know, just at a very elite squad and, and I really had no business doing the things I was doing with them. I, I should have like started out with like traffic stops and domestics, but you know, now we were putting together like huge cases and I had zero experience. And so really I just kind of fucked up my way through everything. And, um, and I cataloged that all in the book through a series of very funny stories and mishaps. And it kind of evolves into me becoming a good cop by the end um, and, and becoming officer of the year and things. But I went from like literally being Raleigh's worst cop, and about to be uh, moved off of the squad and sent to, you know, maybe like a, like a community squad type thing or moved to like, a, you know, the college campus area type deal to, um, to making it. It is yeah. kind of a true underdog story. And the, 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 the main character is very lovable, but the, uh, you know, I, I got to read like an advanced copy of it before long before it was uh, fully edited. Uh, I know Jonathan has read a copy of it because uh, he illustrated it. He had, he, he, for some uh, uh, has the incredible ability to be able to capture something on uh, on a piece of paper. Uh, you know, the, the words are being described. He can, he can kind of translate those words into a drawing and it's uh, it's amazing. What's, what's produced. What was your reaction when you saw Jonathan's uh, sketches? Well, you know, I, that's how I met Jonathan. I saw a picture that he had made of a cop, it was a black and white picture, but the cop had red bloody knuckles. And there's a photograph of myself after a use of force where I hit a guy in the teeth with my fist and his teeth lacerated my knuckles. Um, and so it made it bleed and I was sweating. And so there was a lot of blood on my knuckles. And when I saw the picture that he had drawn of some other cop with the same thing, like it totally, like I totally took me back to that and related to it. And I was like, man, that would be dope if I could have that illustration for my book or of like an illustration of, of some of the funny stories in my book that, um, you know, really paint the picture. So I reached out to him and um, he was like, well, let me get a copy of this book and then I'll tell you if I want to do the art for it or not. Um, and so I sent him a copy of the book and then he just, you know, it was like almost like, I want to say it was like over the weekend too. Like I, I feel like I sent you the copy like on a Friday and literally by like Sunday you were like flooding my phone with like a <laughs> Google drive and like, Hey, I've got this image for that. And I got this image for this and like every image. And, and, and John was just like, if you don't like it, I can do this. And it was, you know, and I'd be real nervous to see it. And then I would see it and I'd be like, Oh my God, it's a thousand times better than I ever thought it was going to look like. And, and then it was just like every image of every story. It was so perfect. That, yeah. Well, once know, again, really independent out. verification. I, I was in on the, let, let's say I hadn't met Jonathan yet. So I was in on the like uh, twice removed from that part of the story. But right. what I, what I got the benefit of was seeing the kid in the candy store named Eric who had written a, you know, a, a chapter in a book 
gave that chapter to some dude. The dude wrote it, and act uh, and and actually Eric's excitement of how well the the emotion or the the facial expression or even the funny, you know, just how well it was captured, just based on the words he wrote and Jonathan's ability to, um, you know, to to kind of illustrate it. Jonathan, do you uh, think that your profession right now has anything to do with your ability to? Uh, like you, you don't get to be face to face with other people. So you have to obviously fill in a lot of blanks. Do you think that that helps in your uh, artistry or, or drawing? It could be because, you know, I had to use my imagination a lot. Of, you know, I hadn't even seen Eric face to face until like two or three days ago. <laughs> but the thank you, first of all, for the compliments that both of you just gave me. Um, but Eric's story, uh, his uh, his book, the, at least the, the version that I read, and I'm sure it has only improved since then. He's got some good editors, but every chapter has uh, something that's very vivid. Like this is very funny. It's got a lot of action in it because Eric's just kind of that kind of captain action type of cop. Like he's he's chasing someone in like 90 percent of the book. And so he would run into these just unusual situations from chapter one. I mean, probably the first person he met as his first day as a police officer is one of the most colorful characters that you could ever see. And uh so I would talk to Eric and I would read the book and I would kind of just try to get an idea of, of what these things look like. And, you know, it's not it's not just funny situations or outlandish situations or really cool, badass situations. Although there's a lot of those. I was actually surprised by how poignant the book can be at some points. And I know Eric doesn't really want to you know, sell it as kind of a touching book, but you really can't be a police officer in a town like this uh, for any length of time and not come across some real human situations. And there's some uh, there's some tough stories in there too, but it is a hilarious story. It's also just a story of what modern police work is like. And for someone to come in and be a rookie and be in all these absurd situations, I really liked it because, you know, when you turn on uh, TV and you watch a cop show, uh, it's not a good re- it's not a good reflection of reality because life is so much more absurd than that. And uh, the mere fact that uh, Eric's stories we'll talk about, uh, you know, in chapter one, uh, some woman uh, with an American flag headdress who wants to uh, either <laughs> either fight with them or make sweet, sweet love with them. We're not sure that right there in chapter one, that was an unusual situation. And that's just not something you're going to see on a. I I mean, you wouldn't even be able to show it on a real police TV show. So, I mean, every chapter was easy to find some vivid image and uh, being able to to make that look anything like Eric or the actual situation was amazing. So I was just pleased that it worked that well. Eric, Eric takes you from the from the uh, he gives you the great patrol officer's perspective because he tells you a story one in one chapter from the from the attic. He tells you a story from the gas station parking lot. He tells you a story from the backyard of a house where a guy's kind of bleeding and the, the person that stabbed him is rustling in the woods in the background. Eric, what's your favorite part of the book? Oh, you know, for me, I don't and probably the stuff with red, like the banter, capturing the banter with red. Um, that was kind of like when my career kind of like turned around was when she got there because like she pretty much like the same shit that happened to me happened to her. She was captain of a basketball team. They like retired her jersey or some shit like her jersey is like still hanging in Campbell University's gymnasium. There's like a massive poster of her when you go into Campbell University and then there's like she was on a billboard at some point like so when she and she I think she graduated like maybe top of her class or something I, I don't know um and she was like dating a detective too like her whole her whole career was kind of like paved out like from the get-go and so she, they sent her to our squad and 
you know, our squad already didn't like that because they'd already seen it happen with me. And now they're seeing it happen with her. And they're like, great, here we go. Like this, you know, now we got to humble up this bitch, you know? And, um, but I don't think they, anybody accounted for having me so new and then her coming on too. So when she got there, you know, I had just gotten to this point where I was no longer technically a rookie, but I was still just now not Leroy Jenkins. So <laughs> yeah, just running in and doing stuff without telling anybody. That sounds right. Like you. So, so when she gets there, um, you know, I was able to, you know, she's a lot like Andrea, you know, where, uh, people weren't really used to my crassness or like just my honesty and shit like that. And so like all that banter stuff in the locker room with, with, with red and with, um, you know, kind not mentoring her, but growing with her at the same time, like going through the same exact issues that I had and she had. That's probably the, my favorite part of the book. That's well, probably like my favorite part of the book. Also, just some of the, the shit that the two of you got into was some of the most exciting parts of the book. And uh, mm-hmm. this is a little weird to say, but I, I guess I enjoyed drawing her because she's got some some interesting aspects too. You know, just just being first of all a female and being tough and you know hanging in there with the rest of your squad, but maybe you know. Uh, being just a little bit better than you sometimes and kind of raising your game a little bit. Oh, yeah. But uh, when you guys were in a particular situation together where that homicide suspect was fleeing in a truck and you had your that uh, ride along with you, that was probably my favorite chapter because it just showed how quickly you can wow. go from uh, just trying to ride the day out, not getting anything, not getting into anything too deep. And all of a sudden uh, there's blood and uh, officers being taken away in ambulances. And it's just, it's an incredible book. And that was crazy because, you know, I thought, yeah, I th- at that time, for all intents and purposes, like she died, you know, in my brain for that, I don't know how long it was, five, six minutes or whatever before I saw that she wasn't dead. Like mm-hmm. I in my brain it was like, well, I just lost you. I just lost red. Like she's gone. She's dead. Like there's no way she just survived that. Yeah, because um, he that hit her was, with the car like 57 miles an hour. You know, yeah, that was and, that, um, the picture of her that I drew is probably my favorite picture in the book. And I think yeah. it's one of your favorite, too it really was one of my favorites with her holding her, her slit neck and the blood, you know? Um, but you know, for, you know, for, you know, however many seconds that was, man, I really thought that that red was gone and, you know, fighting with a guy and knowing that one of your friends is dead and you're going to have to deal with that here in a second was like, you know, that was one of the craziest days of my whole life. Really? I mean, honestly. And then like the fact that that day ends with like her coming out with like, whatever i don't remember what it was now but like her shirt was like number one bitch you know or some fucking <laughs> you know some stupid t-shirt that she had in the office yeah she had a under- t-shirt under under a duty uniform that she obviously never wanted anyone to see she didn't she didn't start that day thinking that yeah. like an emt was gonna cut her clothes off of her <laughs> at any at any point she had a some right. silly t-shirt on and i think they put staples yeah, in says, her like, neck too is that what they did to kind of suture yeah, her up she had like i think she got like 10 stitch 10 stitch 10 stitches in the back of her head and like 10 staples or five staples in her neck. Um, I don't remember because it, it started from like the back of her scalp and kind of went down, down her neckline. And, uh, but yeah, like her shirt, like when they cut everything off of her and everything, like her t-shirt was like number one hot bitch or something yeah. stupid. So she's like all these camera people are in and her and I are just kind of like reunited and my leg was broken. And, yeah, the, um, the chief came down to see you at one point. I wonder, I, I wonder when I read that book, yeah. if uh, the chief had crossed paths with her in her, uh, you know, her, her, well, yeah, well, I think red her class B room. uniform with her badass bitch yeah. t-shirt or whatever. Yeah, or, or like one, like it was like hot bitch or something. It was like I'm a hot bitch, or my boyfriend thinks I'm a hot bitch or something. Like it was something fucking stupid, but 
only something that red would wear like mm -hmm. of course red would always say like that's something only tansy would do but like she's a lot more like me than i guess she'd probably like to admit <laughs> obviously because she had that fucking stupid shirt on but um you know that, that those were my favorite times of the book um you know I, I really did enjoy the thirsty lieutenants chapter because i think that that's an important chapter that we can all relate to as cops where you just have like political police officers who are just thirsty as fuck even i could relate to it have, yeah i wasn't yeah, even they have no cop. business getting into it but they put their little dick skinners in there anyway and make a complete mockery and mess out of the profession and and then you know you know with something that could have not have made the news um makes the news because of these you know fucking people who just want to be seen you know they don't understand it's better seen than heard you know type deal but you know that was a fun chapter to write because it's really hard to articulate in one chapter what thirsty lieutenants is like and drew well, you know more than anything what a thirsty lieutenant is like well speaking of which he did range reach the rank of lieutenant and was and i am thirsty quite thirsty uh <clears throat> so speaking of uh closing another chapter uh, we had a great meetup over the past couple of days. David, uh, David J, one of our listeners is, uh, one of our supporters, supporters, He's right hand men is, is right here with us in our presence. Uh, he's about to super chat he's, right he's, out of his wallet. Like we're a bunch of, uh, $4 hoes, $5 hoes. It's raining that's, money over there. You fucking rain money on me, bitch. That's, right. That's two fifty a piece. And then uh, an extra 10. Um, so what was your favorite, uh, you know, we had a great meetup here. David mm -hmm. was here. We, we had, a, we already mentioned a few of the names and, and the, the, uh, the guys from, uh, one more and I'm out of here. Um, what do you think your favorite part of the meetup this weekend is? Uh, how are we going to, how are we going to top what we did this time and where are we going to top what we, what we did this time? Uh, my favorite part about the meetup, um, I, I don't know like I, it's just it's so cool man like i, I don't know I, I i like signing autographs i think that's fucking weird it's wild you know like that's pretty cool so <laughs> i don't know um i know that sounds shitty but it, it's i i like no, it. it's, it's like dude will you sign it, this for it, me i'm like man this is fucking cool of course i'll sign that like wow pe people <laughs> are asking awesome. me for autographs too and i also felt like am i really big enough of a deal to do this are you sure like that well yeah, that's it's it, funny yeah, you like, say that that's that's the surreal part of the whole thing like it's it's uh you know, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks when we were in Cincinnati and we were there were a couple people from Ohio there um, and they were, you know, it was a husband and wife and they were really sweet. And, and she was like, I, I just she was looking at Tansy like, she, you know, she was looking at, uh, I don't know, uh, Bradley Cooper or something. And, and and she's she's like, I just can't believe I'm here. Like, I can't believe I'm talking to you guys like I watch you all the time. And and we are yeah, I was just we're, we're just human beings like that. And, and so he, here in the, in the uh, C minus studio area or the, the Clayton school of music or wherever we were, or Manning, you know, nice little family lunch today at Manning's or uh, no matter where we were, it's just, it was uh, like just all mutual respect. Like I, I couldn't believe that people had that much admiration for something that I'm a part of and, you know, vice versa. They, they were kind of like, happy to be there and be a part of it too so uh i think i think we need to start planning our next meetup yeah. it's cool it's like everybody's so thankful you know and it's like yeah 
I, you know, like I went and picked somebody up from the airport and they're like, whoa, you're picking us up from the airport? Like, Tansy <laughs> well, picks us up from the airport? Well, not only I'm that, like, but yeah, Tan- dude, Tansy is feeding us all pizza and stuff. Like, Tan- Tansy's, uh, you, I don't think you guys realize what an incredible host he's been. You know, oh, he, he's, he's, he's out here, no. you know, uh, giving us free beer and, and pizza and all this. Like, if, to Brittany Faulkner and the rest of you who missed this, like you really missed out on something. Uh, this was, this yeah, has been we're gonna a hell have of a good to, time. We'll have to do one in the Midwest so that the Falconators and the fucking Sarah Kelches and all those people can make it. But yeah, I mean, it was cool just meeting you guys, obviously yeah. being with you and Drew and, that- and John and hanging out in the studio and doing the Q and A's on the stage was super fun. And, uh, you know, I, I, we got a lot more of these to come, but what, you know, I'm excited about the new website that we launched this week. Yes, it looks so good. Do us a favor, man. Go to the new website, Josh from Deadleg Media. Really been working hard on that. Um, the Patreon shit's like got me super stoked. Like that was something we never really had on the table to do, but um, and we didn't really know if that was going to be like a thing for us. But we knew that the the audio listeners asked for it. They wanted a paid way to get extra content like the YouTubers get, and we didn't really provide all that much extra stuff for the YouTube. Um, not as much as we've been now, you know, in, in the four months that we've we've all been, you know, kind of doing this. But uh, once we started the Patreon account and then Drew just started locking down these big guests and, you know, uh, we were able to like kind of come up with different little shows for the Patreon and different little, you know, just the creative outlet that Patreon gives us was cool. And then just to see how many people have already signed up for Patreon. There's only like three pieces of content on there, four pieces of content on there, but um i just think that's pretty cool too like yeah that this whole week has just been full of that kind of stuff where it's you you work really 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 hard and then you take a look back for just a second and you're like whoa man like that's a lot of shit that's happened this week meet up you know people flew in from minnesota south dakota colorado san diego cincinnati florida myrtle beach michigan i mean like that's bonkers dude that's bonkers <laughs> And uh, and we had yeah, more that dude. wanted to come that couldn't make it, you know, from San Diego and Northern so California. Cool. And we had one guy from Canada that was right on the line. I don't think he got the time off to come, but he was I mm. told him, man, if you change countries to come hang out with us, I'm going to definitely make sure you have a good time. So <laughs> yeah. if we can get up to at least to the Midwest next time, hopefully he can come south of the border and come hang out with yeah, us. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a good goal for next time. Let's get to at yeah. least two people with passports involved. So now we've got this little board that's going to help out a little bit. Um, I think we're buying some more cameras um, in the next week or so, getting Andrea a new, maybe a new laptop and a new microphone phone um that might take a satellite dish for her to get internet from elon musk Uh, yeah well she thinks that she thinks the internet's good she thinks that it's it's the computer now which may you know she might just be like trying to lobby remember in the office when she they're trying to lobby for new chairs yeah versus the new copier well she needs to stop going to try to lobby that's what's bogging her computer down so i think it's all the porn cookies from 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 her looking at porn because she's like 50 (laughs) so she doesn't understand that she has to delete all the cookies uh, and hey, speaking of copiers, and and if you have a guest there that might say something, please oh, let her speak. And now she's she's whispering in my ear. I need a new HVAC. My AC is going out of my house. <laughs> right. So so like, tune into that. How am I going to do that? Yeah. OnlyFans slash Andrea's HVAC. Uh, you should be able to see pictures of her shoulders and her Cleotha. Uh, yeah, she'll show you her Cleotha without a doubt. Uh, she's shown her Cleotha several times during this uh, during this meetup, and, and, and half the time we had to tell her to put it away. So, uh, listen, we, we've uh, look at her. She's so happy. She just uh, she's happy. I guess that she's sitting in air conditioning and she's not at home. And 
not having any air conditioning. So, um, listen, it's been a great show. Uh, Comp Center is going to continue to grow. The channel is going to continue to grow. We're going to have a nice uh, little. Uh, we're going to cover probably the Mistretta case on uh, on Friday's failure to stop the flagship show. Uh, we should probably mention some of the other shows that are on the channel because Monday is uh, it's something called Uncuffed, which seems like a very familiar title to me. But uh, it's Jay Durrell White and uh, our re- uh, our resident comedian Jay Durrell White and uh, the uh, fellow sitting to our right, Eric Tanzi. Uh, they uh, team up for some uh, a comedic lens. It's yeah, it's cops stories. meets comedy. Cops meets Basically. comedy. Live it's, PD and comedy. If Todd McComas and who? Sean Larkin. And had Sean Larkin biracial had, a, baby. had biracial babies. This would be uh, the twins. This, right yes, here. that would be Darrell and myself. And then, of course, Night Shift with Andrea. And then Last Call with Deadleg. And Com Center with you guys. And now Listen, we got Breakdown on Friday. Five, right. Five days a week, baby. That's it's, a lot of free content. It's, it's almost like a real job. You have to work five <laughs> days a week, Eric. It's and that's 20, all free, by I the know. way. Nobody's paying for any of that. But it's 24-7-365 on the Patreon. Look, we don't want to nickel and dime you to death. However, uh, for pennies on the dollar, you're going to get some extra bonus content. And uh, we, we don't disappoint. And if, We've if got we a lot disappoint, of stuff you can just cancel. We, 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 got a, we got a bunch of stuff coming. But we would love yeah. for you to, to join us so we can interact. And you know what? We want to hear from you. What do you want to hear? What do you want to see? There's a couple. There's still a couple of YouTube videos. I Like Tech Cool uh, wanted me to do something on... Uh, uh, stand your ground. I still haven't done. There's there's endless yeah, amounts got, of content. Uh, I got Brandon Tatum lining up. Um, I'll get Brandon Tatum um, on an interview for the for the Patreon. I've got um, uh, Officer Daniels. Uh, I'm gonna get him um, on there. I'll do one episode with Mike the Cop on there. Uh, so yeah, we'll put a lot of like extra stuff, kind of like that. I know Drew's got the dude from the Vegas shooting stuff there. Jonathan Bates is doing a true crime case out of his own hometown. Um, with Did he committed? Might have been involved in that. I may case have been involved. Have it was in 1988, so it was only four. That's you know why I haven't. I know really Deadleg and I have got this Red Bull. Some some guy from the Red Bull that was lined up that maybe did the flight that landed on top of the building. So we got a contact there. So we might have that Red Bull guy coming on the show. So lots of extra shit that just goes on the Patreon. But like I said, five days a week, baby. <laughs> it's free, and it's all for first responders to give them something else to listen to, so they don't have to listen to the radio. While they're in their cop cars, and, and hopefully they can relate to us, and we can relate to them. We speak their language, so I love right. Stop, man. To put a pretty Great little candidate. bow on this, uh, happy uh, Public Safety National Telecommunicators Week! Thank you for all the dispatchers for what you do. Uh, I, I submit that I would not go crazy this week if I were the lieutenant up there because uh, I, I reserve my um, my crazy going crazy over you guys the other fifty one weeks of the year. Let everybody else pay the tab this week. Uh, uh, but I respect and admire every single one of you, and I hope that you tell four of your friends and their Aunt Sally's to tune into the Com Center on Thursday nights. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail, it's 848-266-9011. I'm nice. sorry. Nice. It's also 848-COM-911, so 848-266-6911. It'll be down in the show notes. Listen, you're enjoying this after the fact. You're, if you're in the chat and you're confused why we're not interacting with you, it's because... We, through the magic of, uh, of an HDMI cable, we pre-recorded this. Uh, but here we are, and we're always here for you. But uh, hopefully you'll tune in tomorrow for the flagship show. Until then, John, what do we do? 
well, first of all, before you do anything, check out the Pipe Hitter Foundation and donate to Officer Mistretta because that's a good cause. You're going to hear more about that tomorrow. I want to make sure we put a little bit of support on that and put some pressure on that bad AG in uh, the terrible state of Michigan. But uh, until then, Comp Center will return. We'll be back next week. We've already got voicemails to play for next week. You can call, leave us a voicemail anytime. 848-COM-911. Drew, guns up. Giddy up. Do you, Eric, do you have any parting words before we go? 424. Last unit with traffic. Go ahead. I wish you, I wish you would fix your preamble. Stick, stick around afterwards, Drew. <laughs>